Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Darcy Thompson-Fields. My name is Nathan Anibaba and this is the CEO of our digital show. This is an open-ended exploration of markets, technology, trends, ideas and strategies that will help you better deliver results for your company and your stakeholders. You can learn more and stay up to date at ceo.digital. So Darcy, what did you think of the interview with P.O.? I loved it. I thought we were definitely speaking to him at the right time as we come up to sort of almost a year of working remotely to get some of his insights, um, you know, on being able to do that sustainably and having the tech to support it. I think one of my favourite pearls of wisdom was his approach to, you know, treating your team like elite athletes. Right. You've got to ensure that they're well set up and the way he talked about the road to flow versus the road to burnout. Sure, really interesting. How about for you? I loved when he talked about Minority Report. Um, <laughs> I, I love all the ideas that he took from sci-fi movies. In all seriousness, there's a lot of technology that we have today that is borrowed from the sci-fi movies. And he also talked about the fact that we get frustrated with our phones when they're not instantly reactive, even though the technology that we have is far superior to that that took the astronauts to space and back. So I thought that was really interesting. Just an all round really interesting guy and a fascinating conversation. I love that. Should we get into the episode? Let's do it. Our guest this week is Pio Johansson. He is an EMEA solution strategist and value engineer at Citrix. He has spearheaded solution development as technology officer for multinational organizations. Pio has also led clients through system conversion from legacy systems to cloud technology and leveraged advanced IT skills, value engineering and business expertise to maximize value propositions and enhance business connectivity. Pio Johansson, welcome to the CO.Digital show. Thank you, Darcy. Glad to be here. Really good to have you on the show, Pio. Thank you very much for, for being here. Thanks, Nathan. You've been in the IT industry for over 20 years and held senior positions in Bazware, Fujitsu, and now Citrix. Tell us what first attracted you to a career in IT. Well, I'm not sure how, how I got into IT, but uh, I've always been interested in, in uh, gadgets and, and stuff. And uh, um, when, I, when I studied at the university, I, I was thinking that I'd never go into IT because um, that wasn't where I was, where my focus was. So I was more focusing on the um, organizational management, how organizations were working, what, what made them um, productive, and also um, focusing on marketing management. So how would marketing uh, influence people to, to do things that they're doing? Uh, the last part of my, my university studies was uh, looking at TQM, which is totally quality management, and that's kind of the forefather of, of lean and value engineering. So that's when I started moving into more IT um, focused. And uh, right after that, I, I started a project for Bang & Olufsen, which is uh, hi-fi uh, equipment. They wouldn't like me saying that now because they, uh, they were selling uh, the future. They were selling development, innovation. Mm -hmm. That was the marketing message for them. So uh, when I did that, I, I also uh, I was approached by IBM to, uh, at that time, which sounds like it was ages ago, but at that time, they actually had consumer products. And I was I was running a project for them uh, on the consumer side uh, with uh, 
people um, selling, uh, asking, so mystery shopping and um, go-to-market planning for their consumer products. And when that was done, then I was asked to to start working for IBM as a product manager for consumer goods. Uh, and that's when my career in IT started. So, uh, yeah, it's, I've always been inter- interested in in things that are technical. Uh, it's not like I want to pull them apart, but it's just to understand how they work and why do they work the way they do. So that's how I got into um, to IT. Fantastic. And for those that aren't familiar, could you tell us a little bit about Citrix today? You know, most people know that you're a technology company. Previous listeners will know we had uh, Jane on previously. But can you tell us what Citrix looks like today, who your customers and what problems you solve for them? Yeah, um, I think I started four years ago at Citrix. And during those four years, there's been continuous change um, Every year, I would say um, we're moving more and more to a service provider than we was were before. Uh, when I started, we were a company that uh, managed and and handled um, virtualization of applications. So that was four years ago. What we do now is more solution and uh, offerings provider. So we we deliver services for companies to enable their uh, employees to be more mobile and work from wherever they want to, to work from. Um, so it's the mobile part and access the, this type of information in a secure way, which means that um, wherever they do, wherever they work, they don't actually have to have everything locally installed. So we solve problems to make it easy for the employees to work where they feel that they can do their best to perform the best way, to keep it simple. And Citrix's goal is to give people the space to succeed and do their best work. So how do you do that? Well, we help the customers in, in uh, all the efforts that they have for, for the digitalization of, of the efforts that they do. So moving away from traditional on-prem um, solutions to cloud to keep them more agile and more dynamic in their approaches. So um, what we do then is to make sure that people can have the combination, specifically now in the pandemic uh, where we're sitting and, and we've been there for a year. So mm. you can work. You don't have to be stressful about that. I have to go to, to the office. So you do your job where you feel that you most comfortable doing it and on that device that you feel you're most com- comfortable of, of working on. So those are things that we, we try to solve for the people. So anywhere, anytime, uh, on any device. P.O., in the pre-interview, we talked about the Tom Cruise film, Minority Report, one of my yeah. favorite films. Um, <laughs> some of his best work, I would argue yeah, to say. Yeah. And um, and you said that technology today is is really kind of moving in that direction. Most of the technology that, that was shown in that movie is with us today. Yeah. Explain. Yeah, I um, well, that, that's also part of why I started in IT. One of my best movies and best the memories that I have from going to, to, to watch a show was uh, Star Wars when I was younger. So that's one of the things that I, I wanted to be, uh, well, everybody wants to be Han Solo or Luke Skywalker. Uh, <laughs> but when, when, uh, when we talk about Minority Report, that's, uh, I think that's one of the movies that has predicted future technology the best. Sure. Uh, even though the first Star Wars movie came out in 79, we haven't seen any Millennium Falcons fl- flying around or any, <laughs> uh, any X-Wings specifically. But if you need become... to come to Birmingham. They're all here. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, well, we haven't seen them in Sweden yet. It's too cold, I guess. Uh, but 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 uh, in in the movie Minority Report, where we see 
all these technologies of, of uh, how they communicate when they're sitting, sitting in the cars and they're chasing these bad guys who actually aren't bad guys yet because they're predictive. Mm. So they, they catch them before they do any, uh, any crimes. Uh, but they, they have the collaboration of information on demand on these transparent screens in front of them. They have the smartwatches. They have the analytics of big data. They have the machine-to-machine learning. They have all these things that, that actually we are looking at today. It's, it's not as cool and, and Hollywood-style sexy as they are in the movie, of course, but we have them in front of us. Mm. We're using it daily, those, these things. So um, that's why I, I most of the time we, we think that technology is, uh, it has nothing has happened well a lot of things has happened and all these, these hollywood things that we see they actually are in front of us so they are really really cool i have another part where, where i usually say that the, um, we, we always complain about our, our telephones because they they're not working and you have too many apps or they're slowing down performances is really well it sucks to be honest um, but if we consider this that the what we have in front of us today what we're using is more than NASA had in the 60s when they sent people to the moon. Mm. They were able to do that on less performance capabilities and power than we have in front of us on uh, using our mobile phones. So what, how do we use them? Well, we play games and talk. These guys <laughs> were actually sending people up to the moon sure. and back, I would say also. So they, they got them back also. That's important. Yeah. So, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so it's, it depends on how you see technology. And, and that's why I think it's interesting to see some of the movies and, and also how they, it's predicting the future. By the way, I would argue that Star Trek actually beat Star Wars in predicting the future yep. and yeah, with their technology. But, but we digress. <laughs> that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> your, your title is that you are an EMEA solutions strategist and value engineer. What does someone with that title do? Oh, uh, a lot of things. Um, I would say I'm, I would, without bragging, um, I would say I'm, I'm the conductor of an orchestra. Uh, like the violins, you have the the uh, the blow section somewhere, and the drums and so on. So my job is more to understand what we have in front of us from the customer side, uh, which is not always IT. You have to understand the line of business, the end users, what they're doing, what their requirements are, and also what we can deliver into to that organization. So my job is, is as a solution strategist then is to see what values do we bring to that organization. And part of your role, as I understand it, is really understanding the customer's ecosystems and sort of how they're actually going to use their technology in a way that sort of knits together uh, nice and neatly how does your approach differ to some of the other more technically orientated technicians out there? Um, well, in my role, that, that, that's more understanding how this is used. So I, I usually try to sit in the position of where the customer is. So what is it being used for? The customer's customer also. Why are they doing this? How is it used? In what way can, can it be used? Um, try to think outside the box. Um, normally, we always go for the um, easy way, which is bells and whistles, features and functions. This is what you have. This is what we can do. If if you need more, we'll just crank it up. We'll add a, a bit more memory or a, a high-performing processor or more cores. Uh, I don't think that's the point in, in the way that we sell or that we deliver. We need to understand what the customer needs, and we need to develop the services and offerings to map against their needs. 
basically. Citrix helps securely deliver how work gets done both today and in the future with work from home solutions. Tell us what those services are and how they've had to evolve as the pandemic has worsened in some parts of Europe. Good question. Um, what we deliver is, like you said, the in, in the question was, is work. So, and what does work mean? That means different things depending on what role you have and what, what your role is in, in the organization. So what we can do is we can make sure that you don't have to specify a, a role or delivery to each role. Um, we can actually make sure that it's flexible in, in the way that we uh, deliver this. Um, meaning, well, you've probably heard this in, uh, in many years now, but we, at the moment, I think it's still five generations working in, 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 a, in an organization and they all have different demands. IT as an organization today tries to develop a platform or they do actually set a platform or a standard of how they want to deliver services. But I usually take the, the example of there's, say we want to play soccer, uh, which is the way that IT wants to deliver this because that's the way they set it up. It's easier to manage for them. Mm. But then if you go out to the organization, there's always a group of people or, or one person that says, I don't like soccer. I want to be ice hockey goalie, <laughs> which means that, so what's IT going to do with that? Well, with us and our service that we have, we can actually supply that service so it, it fits the part of that ice hockey goalie, but it's built on standard and modules. So they can still deliver the way that that person feels good when consuming IT. Yeah. But it's standardized from the IT delivery model. So it makes it easy for them to, to develop that also. Makes sense. Could you share an example, a client example, to kind of bring what you're talking to to life? Because I know that a lot of the value that you deliver for clients is based on, you know, reducing costs, saving time for customers, etc. Mm. Could you share an example of uh, one that comes to mind to kind of uh, sort of shed light on, on what you've been discussing so far? Um, yeah, uh, so... Uh, several examples. If, if you take it from the, from the uh, bigger picture, is uh, so organ, organizational-wise. Um, if you have a, a larger enterprise, uh, say 10,000 people, something like that, they have an on-prem solution today. Um, they're supplying that. They're building this up to be resilient. They have to be prepared if something happens, which means that if they're setting up everything and uh, delivering every, all the services from data centers. Not only do they actually consume a lot of energy and, and the sustainability part comes in here, but also they need to be prepared when, when um, something happens, which means that they have to have an additional, I think it's around 35 to 40% uh, resources on top of the actuals that they're using to be able to scale up when needed. Uh, that means that they're actually paying for 35, 40% extra resources that they're not using. So what we then can do with Citrix is if we move this over to cloud, you can remove that 35 to 40% resource hmm. because when needed, you can start using uh, hybrid models and cloud resources instead. And when they're done, if you don't need them anymore, peaking over uh, Christmas or summer vacations or whatever it could be, then you just decommission those and start stop using them. So those are those things. If you also scale up over time that you are in, in a heavy investment period for the company with mergers and acquisitions, that means that you have to invest in resources. If you have them on-prem, you have to invest to also be prepared in that way, which means that you have uh, amortization periods, say over three, four years, that, which is normal, and that you're stuck with that investment in hardware. 
if you move to services that we provide and the, and the same type where you can choose vendors of cloud services, you, can, you don't actually have to invest that much at the time, you invest when you grow. So those are things. Personally, on, on the other side is um, you have, uh, for the, for on the personal side, on resources, it's easy for companies also to start recruiting people where they, where they sit. So you don't have to be in, in a uh, capital of the country or the big cities. Mm -hmm. You can actually be outside of the cities in, in mm. wherever. Basically, uh, we see this in, in, as an example, in healthcare, um, uh, x-ray machines today. Well, you previously you needed to have a doctor who was trained in looking at x-ray images, right? Before Christmas, I was up in the hospital. I got an x-ray um, done on myself, an MR. Uh, this was at 11 o'clock at night. The doctors who cost a lot of money, uh, the engineers or the doctors that are trained on this, they weren't there because the doctors they used, they sat in Australia. Wow. It's incredible. So by using technology that we, that we also can supply, you can actually have a doctor sitting in Australia viewing a high definition X-ray view. He's a daytime, less, less cost. Uh, the guy that should have been doing that in Sweden, he's at home sleeping, which is good for him <laughs> <laughs> and costing that. So that's also roles. You, you're not defined by geography. You're defined by what you can do and your capabilities and you yeah. can work for, from anywhere. Going back uh, to thinking about the workplace and, you know, this pandemic has obviously changed the way we think about where we can work from. And as uh, vaccines are rolling out, we're all looking hopefully towards a sort of post-COVID future. But what are you thinking about the digital workplaces of the future? And, you know, how do we tie in human sustainability testing? Yeah, that's also a good question. Um, I think what we've seen um, in the pandemic is, we, it was a lot, lot of discussions about this prior to the pandemic also to see how, if people were willing to work less. You've had different programs and approaches to this. Um, and a lot of discussions were in the beginning of the pandemic also that this is, I wouldn't say positive, but one of the effects is that people work less. Um, I would say that that's totally not true. Um, I think people work more. Mm -hmm. yeah. because of the commuting that you don't have to do you spend that time working instead mm -hmm. um you work back to back you can skip lunch um, one of the new things that that uh, which is a danger in this is the, the sitting down is new smoking i would say so for health reasons and the human sustainability part i think we need to be aware of that working from home uh, and what was said the new normal which is not the new normal because it changes all the time is also it needs to be watched over to make sure that the people that are working from home uh, they can do well make sure that mentally health is okay the physical health is also okay uh, they need to be able to to talk speak and interact with their their colleagues um, the gossip by the coffee machine or the the quick chat in the hallways of the office those things are also needed to make sure that you feel okay you feel good you feel seen um, and um, to be able to be efficient and productive. So following up on Darcy's point about how the workplace is evolving, mm -hmm. there, there's been a lot of talk about management sort of talking to employees to really help them co-create their roles as, as employees will sort of need to play a bigger role in sort of 
shaping their own careers and their own their own roles. How is Citrix thinking about how they're doing that with their own employees? Well, we've we've actually started using the uh, the things that we sell and the the, the stuff that we develop, uh, which is good. Um, if we look at this from the human sustainability part and also environmental sustainability, I think we we are we could say that we we're trying to we're, we're still a technology company. That's uh, that's face it. We we work with security, mobility of of workforces, so bringing on device and all that. But what we try to do also on this aspect is to minimize the efforts that you spend on doing things that, that you shouldn't have to do. Um, so reducing elements of stress is one part. Um, one of the most common things that increases stress for, for people and, and employees is having to open up several applications and then drill down, click several times to actually come somewhere within application to perform that task that they specifically were supposed to do which could be a, a request for, for vacation, um, PTO. You have to click four or five times to get, first of all, you have to open up the application, which takes maybe two, three minutes. Mm -hmm. And then you click your way down and just to click an approve button and then you're done. The next time you have to go into another application to do something else. So all these monotone tasks that are repetitive or that should be easy to do, uh, we try to reduce them and minimize them through the the uh, services that we deliver. If, if it's micro apps or, or a workspace with intelligence, or we're using the network um, ADCs or, or products that we have also. Touching on that and specifically employees' health, yeah. one of the most important parts of this moving forwards, and many insurance companies actually looking into this, is stopping people from getting sick in the first place. You know, what impact will this have? on the way the modern workplaces are built in the future. So that's, uh, that's also one of the things that, that we see. And an and interesting uh, aspect of this is, is that we, first of all, we have customers that are insurance companies. Um, they, some of them sell the, the healthcare programs and, and so on. I'll give you an example on this. The last, I think it was two years ago in, in EU only, that was 350 million days of work. Uh, that were lost due to mental illness and, and uh, physical uh, uh, problems that employees have, have gotten from work. Uh, this is costing huge numbers of, of money. I think it was 620 billion euros in, in 2017 uh, yeah. only. For, and that was sick people being sick from day 14 and above because that's the allowance of when the government gets in of, of sick uh, insurances and so on. That, that's not taken into account the day one, two, 13 of mental health and, and physical health. So what companies are doing is they're trying to prevent these things to happen. So re, again, that's removing the elements of stress, so keeping people on the path to flow, which means that giving them what they need, giving them the, the, the platform to work relaxed where you can, where you want to. So the work-life balance is one thing. Um, and also removing all the elements of stress, which like with the example we had with, with applications, uh, several applications you need to open and have them open at one time, flexing in between, having mails popping up and, and instant messaging. I think some, some people are now working with, with uh, four or five different solutions, uh, such as Zoom, Teams, and so on. So we try to put these things together and make it easier for the uh, end user to work. 
and that's basically what, what it is. It doesn't say that it's less complex. It's just, just for them, it should be easy to consume and easy to work. You've recently been working on a new sustainability calculator at, at Citrix. Tell us a little bit more about what it is and, and what value does it deliver to your customers? Yeah, so one of the things is um, what we've talked about up to now, I guess, is is things that can be related back to the employees. Um, the most expensive resources that a company has or an organization has is the people working in there, the people on the payrolls. So what you need then is to take care, make sure that these people, individuals that are there, they're, they're doing okay. They, I mean, they should be treated like, uh, now I'm Swedish, so I would, I would say Ibrahimovic, but uh, I guess there are other <laughs> football players out there or footballers that are good also. But you need Ibrahimovic would disagree. Yeah, well, he would probably. He'd disagree with anything. Uh, <laughs> but you should treat these as, as elite uh, performers in, in a team. So that's why, um, in a way, we, we need to understand what drives this and, and also prove to the organizations that the investments they do in IT, it's costing them a lot of money. Mm. And how do you actually figure this um, to be a, a value of the organization. Normally, IT, so CIOs and CTOs and CFOs, so the IT managers and the financial managers, they're never best friends. But what we want to do, and my, my purpose here was my, my mission almost, is to make sure that these guys actually talk. They go and have lunch together. Hmm. They become friends. And to, to be able to do that is to make sure that the people they're working with in the organization are happy people working there also. So by, by this, approach you need to be able to identify values what are the values so it doesn't have to be monetary it could be hidden can we help them save time so they can have more uh, spare time and spend with the kids but still do the same productive productive uh, roles and tasks and activities that they, they've done before um, and is it is it in percentages so we can decrease the amount of sick leaves that the uh, the organization has? So if you have, I think there's an, an average of 6.8 uh, that I've read sick days per um, per person and organization in 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 the EU at the moment. Mm. Um, so if we can reduce that by 10%, um, I mean we we talked about 350 million uh, sick days a year in the EU. So if, if the reduction of 10%, mm. that's quite a bit. That's about 35 million. So talking about the reduction in, in no. sick days and all of us sort of, I guess, working a lot more now because we're tethered to our laptops and computers and we're not um, traveling as much these days. It's much easier for work to kind of just blend into normal life. Talk about what you discussed in the pre-interview. You talked about the road to flow and the road to burnout. Explain that. Yeah, um, so we, we touched a bit on, on that also, and it, it all ties, it all ties together. So from 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 my point of view again is that I see human sustainability as one of the four pillars of sustainability. This also means that we have to keep the the people again happy uh, because work and life mixes up. If you're not happy at home, you're not happy at work. If you're not happy at work, you're not happy at home. So vice versa. It, it, it's all connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what we then need to look at from the human sustainability perspective is to, to drill that down to specifics, which is how do we keep the employees and how do we enable the employees to stay on the uh, flow 
part because that's where we see you're feeling good. This is where you perform the best. Mm. That's where you're productive for, for your organization, your company. You feel good at work. You feel good at home, so on, mm. right? And these are elements that are different depending on what vertical you're in and what organization you're in also. And, and it also depends on how well, well educated your managers are to be able to, to manage these people in, in the organization, right? The road to burnout, on the other hand, is all the elements that increase the stress. So am I secure? Am I being watched? Uh, can I work from home? Or am I going to lose my job if I have to stay home with sick kids? Or mm. um, all these things that we also mentioned with the sitting and waiting for an application to spin up because I need to drill down five levels to approve a, a PTO for an employee, for a colleague. Uh, mail that is popping up or, or uh, everybody's trying to ping me when I'm when I'm working, even though I'm busy, they're still pinging me because I have five or six different ways of communicating with me. Um, all these things, can we reduce them? That means that we can also um, enable the the end user to become uh, better and work in in a, in a better way. Another thing on top of that, then uh, keeping them away from the the road to burnout, uh, is that we can use the information that we gather on the end user side. So with analytics and, and other parts of data that we can get, we can also use that to continuously improve the services that we deliver. Because as we've seen, things can happen really quick and fast. And when they happen fast, we need to be able to quickly switch over to that new way of delivering and also supplying it, uh, that services to the, to the end users. Really, really fascinating. Um, P.O., we could speak to you about this all all day, but we're fast running out of time. I especially loved everything that you talked about, especially <laughs> the, uh, the sci-fi analogies, which is really close <laughs> close to my heart. So thank you very much for sharing that. Um, but let's get into our, our speed round. These are questions that will fire at you about your uh, the person behind the brand. Uh, and if you can fire some answers back, that would be appreciated. I'll start first and then Darcy will go next. What's the philosophy that you have on the way that you think about growing your own career and professional development? Oh, find the ways or the things that you enjoy doing um, and that, that you have you put your heart into it. Um, then also partner up with, with peers that have similar interests or that you think you can learn from. Um, so I think it's... Um, so you need you need to be, to want to know more. You have to be uh, curious. That, that's that's the main thing. Curious of of learning new things and learning new people and other people because people are different, uh, which is uh, interesting, and they behave in different ways. You have personalities, which I think is really really interesting to to learn and understand. And if you start wanting to learn and, and be honest in that, that also drives your career because you learn more during your roads and how to handle different situations and people. Mm. I love that advice. Um, what does the evolution of your role look like? Well, if, if it's from here and moving forward, um, then I, I'd say this, uh, this is the best role to have uh, because it evolves with the, with the customers. And, and like we've talked about also sci-fi and all this, uh, technology evolves, customers evolve, every organization needs to change uh, all the time, which means that I have to be on my toes to learn new things, to, to research, to, to be curious again. So otherwise I can't do my job and then that's not gonna evolve either. 
So um, in, in that sense, the evolution of my role is, is based on customer needs, uh, what happens in the market, and people, technology, and the environment uh, around it. So we talk about sustainability, which is a key part here. Uh, the ecosystems around what we do and the innovations. I, I think that's uh, amazing stuff. And learn from kids. It's also, uh, they, they know a lot, even though they might just be seven, eight years old, but uh, <laughs> they, uh, you can learn from them also. Well, taking it outside of the work realm, what's your guilty technology pleasure? Uh, yeah, um, I like, well, my wife is not home, so she can't hear me, but... Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, we'll I send love, this to her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's going to be expensive. Uh, well, I, I I love playing games, um, which is like playing with my son, uh, the games that he play. Not Fortnite and all these, but I think it's a way of communicating and interacting. Um, so technology I use not only to work with, but I see that also as... as um, partnering up with, with my son. So what, what uh, I, I usually use his Oculus uh, virtual reality set and uh, play well, Star Wars. So I use it when he's not home. Nice. You, you see dad running around and waving his arm in the basement. Right. Yeah. Again, nice. learning from kids again. Exactly. exactly. Smart. <laughs> Describe in one line what your family thinks you do, what your kids think you do, and what your boss thinks you do. Um, so three lines there. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do that in one line for all of them. But uh, my family thinks what I, what I do is uh, <laughs> I, they think I work with uh, boring, hard to understand computer stuff, uh, which means that I need to work on my elevator pitch to for the family. <laughs> uh, the kids, uh, specifically my son who visited the uh, the Paddington office with me, he thinks I play games and drink Dr Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> a different way of looking at it and right. uh, my boss hopefully he thinks that i uh, help others become better both customers and internally great answer what do you think are the qualities of a successful leader oh um trust in in your the people that report to you um mm-hmm. the ability to to engage and empower them uh, which is built on trust also um and and have confidence in the teams Make sure that you you um, uh, how should I put it? So make sure that they they dare to fail, uh, which is one thing. Um, so failure shouldn't be a, a problem um, at all times. Not because if you're a surgeon, of course, then you don't you shouldn't fail. But in the, in these roles that we're talking about here, then uh, yeah. So trust, confidence in the teams. What, what kind of leader would you say that you are? Are you more creative? Are you empathetic? Are you commercial? Despotic? What kind of leader would you say that you are? Uh, creative commercial uh, with the uh, little spice of uh, curiosity, or a lot of spice of curiosity and, and uh, the creative part. Mm. Then I, I am, I wouldn't pull it as far as saying that I'm philosophical, but I'm, I'm very analytical. So mm. the, looking at numbers and the uh, expectations and, and outcomes, so risks, assessments, uh, stuff like that. It sounds boring, but it's, I think in the combination with creativity and curiosity, then it's good. Not at all. Balances. Yeah. Well, finally, we wanted to ask you, what are the top one or two issues that you're working on that are top of mind today? Um, well, I think we've, we've touched base on these. Um, human sustainability, I think, is, is one of the key things that we have. And I see a lot of the customers 
are uh, working on this. The the only thing there is how do we value this without becoming uh, clinical, I would say, so because it is people we we are talking about. But I think it's it's key for organizations and uh, people in the organizations to expand out outside of the normal roles that they have. So IT needs to talk to HR, HR, finance, line of business. All these people need to to ensure that they are discussing uh, together how to develop this, what is best for the organization. So human sustainability and the ability to to make sure that we can do set values to this, uh, not always monetary. Um, and that also applies to uh, the environmental aspects. And then the, the other part is I think we need to go outside of our comfort zones. Uh, what we've seen last year with the pandemic is that we, we can do things, things that normally took months or years to develop and, and uh, implement. We can actually do this in, in weeks. Uh, I, I think even some of the customers that we've spoken to, they, they've been able to do stuff that took two, three months previously. They've done this in hours. Mm. Um, during the pandemic because they're forced Amazing. to and they, 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 they see it in new ways and yeah. you can also uh, you can also start looking at what other verticals have been using so it's, I think it's going to be a mix between what, uh, what's been done in, in, the, in the consumer um, retail market that can be used in manufacturing or in finance so sharing and giving in between mm. Theo, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. It was uh, my pleasure. If you enjoyed this conversation, then you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever amazing podcasts are found. Thank you very much and see you next time on the CEO.digital show.